Welcome y bienvenidos to About Consent, the podcast that sparks conversations about creating consent culture, boundary repair, sexual empowerment, orgasm equality, and raising a new sexually conscious and consent-empowered generation. This is a safe, shame-free, judgment-free zone where both survivors and those who support survivors are welcome. I'm your host, Rosalia Rivera. This episode is brought to you by Consentware, an apparel brand with the goal of creating consent culture for kids, teens, and adults. Moms can wear a canvas tote or a t-shirt that says, in our home, we teach and practice consent. Or kids can go to school with a shirt that says, hashtag my body, my rules, I'm a consent empowered kid. Or preschoolers can wear a t-shirt that says, no hugs, kisses, or tickles without consent to the next family gathering. These are clothes that make a statement to help them set boundaries and create a culture of consent wherever they go. Learn more at consentware.com to check out all the most popular designs today. Link is in the show notes. Now let's get back to the show. Melissa Milano is joining me today. I'm so excited, everyone. Thanks for being here. It is Rosalia Rivera. I'm back for another live with Consent Parenting. I'm so excited that you're here because I am thrilled to be joined today by Alyssa Milano, who does she really need an introduction? I will uh, leave that open because, you know, she is just, I've been, you know, following her since I was a kid. She's an incredible actress, producer, activist, advocate, mother, author. Uh, she's just doing amazing things in the world. And I'm just so uh, grateful that she's taking the time to join me today. Um, let me see if she is here. Yay. There we go. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I'm excited. You've made my day. You've made my week. You've made my month. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here with you. Let me try to focus this up a little bit. Thanks for taking the time to be with me today. I know you're, you're a busy, busy woman. Um, but I'm excited to dive into all the things. You, you're just always doing amazing work. Um, you know, first of all, congratulations on your uh, Netflix movie, Brazen. Thank you. Yeah. So I, to be honest, I normally don't uh, watch true crime style movies because I deal with so much violence as it is. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but I really enjoyed watching this because uh, there were, um, like, it was like fun trying to figure out who, you know, who did it. Um, so it was kind of a nice, like, revisit to that kind of uh, genre. You don't watch any, any true crime stuff? Not much. I used to. But just because I'm always dealing with research that right. I do, which kind of feels like I'm always in it. Um, I feel like that's I feel like that's kind of the I feel like that's kind of why women like true crime so much is because it's literally what we have to deal with every day. Yeah. It's that it's that, you know, putting your your keys in your knuckles when you go to a right. at night because you're not safe like that's our lives. You know, yeah. so I think that yeah. that's part of the reason why women just dig true crime. It's like the, um, it's it's like the uh, the revenge, right? Like right, right. Well, and what was interesting too for me is, um, so not you know not to give spoilers, but I, it's interesting because the plot, you know, uh, without giving away spoilers, but 
there's there's been some crimes in the last i would say six months to a year um of like murders with like only fans influencers that have you know they kind of parallel what's what happens in the film and so it was um you know something that i hope gets more attention through the film you know to to spotlight this kind of thing and for influencers also to be more aware of the kind of information that can be out there about you and you know so there's there were a lot of things that for me had some connections in that way that i found was interesting um, i also enjoyed how, how technology is impacting every single part of our lives yeah. and it is infiltrating in the most uh seemingly innocent ways um, you know, my daughter was telling me this story yesterday about the kids in, in school. They were talking about, and I swear to you, she said, in the good old days, <laughs> she's seven, in the good old days, Siri, um, she wasn't, you know, she wasn't around. And then the Siri picked up from the classroom and she's like, that's right. Siri wasn't invented until... And so she was telling this story and I'm thinking to myself, well, that's a funny story, Bella, but that's also a totally horrifying story. Yeah. So I think it's, I started, you know, you have kids now and you're trying to figure out, and I know you know this because this is what you do for a living, but you're trying to figure out like, when is the right age for social media? Like, I'm not even sure 49 is the right age for social media. <laughs> <laughs> so True. So, but my son is an athlete, so it has been suggested that we start a social media page for him that, you know, we control and manage so that scouts and stuff can see his work. Right. And I literally, he's only being followed by my closest friends because I'm just so terrified yeah. of what could happen. But also I'm smart because on his account, I'm tricking the algorithm. Like, I'm I'm just liking puppy videos from his right. account. I'm liking uh, you know baseball videos like so when I do eventually hand over that account it's going to be a lot of puppies and baseball. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's a smart way to do it. And the, the thing is that it's so new for everyone. I I actually just saw a BBC uh article today about Roblox and how there are all of these sort of, you know, rooms that are called condos, which are actually these sex games that parents don't know about. And they look like just regular games. Kids enter them and they don't know. And so there's, you know, there's a lot of things that we have to get ourselves up to speed, you know, when it comes to that. But, you know, as it relates to the film that you made, I thought that that was such an interesting parallel to what's really happening in the world and how young adults who are entering these spaces like OnlyFans um, may not be coming into it with the education that they need to be safe about how they navigate those spaces, you know? So I thought that was an interesting sort of connection and parallel to the work that I do, you know, and, and watching that film. So, well, so congratulations I, on that. Yeah, I thought it was a great liked film. It. Thank you. Yeah. Well, what I really wanted to talk with you about was your book, because um, when I read it, I actually listened to it on audio, um, which I loved because you read it. Um, but then I had to get a copy, a hard copy, because I had to like take all these notes that I wanted to highlight um, because there's so many things that I'm just going to read a quick list just to name a few and then maybe we can unpack some of them. Um, but you talk about your generalized anxiety disorder, which I also have. So I found that really um, helpful that you were able to share that openly. 
Um, you have a chapter on Believe Women and, you know, um, how you, you know, your involvement in amplifying the Me Too hashtag and its significance in believing survivors. Uh, Dr. Christine Blasey Ford and Brett Kavanaugh and Tara Reid, like that was all in one chapter. Um, what true allyship looks like, which, you know, like your first steps and early lessons in that were really, I think, inspiring for anyone who reads it. So I really love that chapter. The birth of your son, Milo and how triggering and hard that was. And I think for any parent who had a difficult birth, like I did as well, I also related, um, it's important, you know, especially as a survivor to understand how those things can be like, it's like people are in there, you know, and if you're not used to that, you're not prepared for it, like, you know, so I love how you shared that experience. Um, you talk about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, her legacy, um, misogyny, the patriarchy, like how that's impacting boys and men and how that impacts rape culture. Um, racism, you know, you talk about that and how, um, you know, really we can all, like how we can all be responsible to, and, and especially those with white privilege, to dismantle it, you know, what we can do. So I loved um, how much you dedicated in the book to that. Uh, global stewardship your role in UNICEF as a UNICEF ambassador, uh, your conversation with an anti-abortion activist and like the perspective of the harm for those who have gone through sexual violence um, was really important for me as well. And I love your love letter to your daughter. Like mm -hmm. that just was super, like that was just gave me hope for humanity. There's so much more. I mean, your book is amazing. Um, I just loved reading it and your your unapologetic rawness, um, you know, which obviously highlighted the the title of the book, um, and just you know sharing your truths as your guideposts, you know, and and I think that that was just what helped me um, realize how helpful this book could also be for survivors, mm -hmm. and so that was why I wanted to you know uh, bring you on and and talk about that. And so first of all, thank you for writing it and sharing. Um, you know, so much about yourself through the book. So Thanks I want to so say that first. Thank you so much. Yeah. So I, I would love to know which were your favorite chapters to write? Which were the hardest ones and why? You know, when I, when I first signed this book deal with Dutton, it was b well before the pandemic. So it was going to be a book of essays just about my activism. And then the pandemic hit. And as I started to write, it felt like I wasn't being fully honest because I was being impacted so much by the pandemic because I'm a, I, I'm a long hauler. Um, I had alpha at the very, very beginning um, that I felt like it needed to, f I needed to find the reflection of my life in the activism. And so that's sort of why there's like, it's an essay structure and it is um, many thoughts and not really a single thought because mm -hmm. at the time we were feeling many things, not just a single thing. Right. And it reminded me so much of, you know, uh, you know that feeling after you give birth and you're in like that postpartum, you don't have to have depression or anxiety, but just that postpartum place of like, you don't see anybody else. You don't do anything else. Yeah. Everything, your life revolves around this baby, you know? And I felt that this, that the lockdown experience was very reminiscent of 
that postpartum experience. So it brought up a lot of, I had postpartum anxiety. It brought up a lot of, a lot of things for me. Um, so I don't know. I just, I just sat down and wrote. And I think, you know, I think it's apparent the, the chapters that are harder for me to, to write because I, I think I wrote them a little bit more delicately almost. And that wasn't, that wasn't for a fear of, you know, it wasn't about being apologetic. It was more about like for my own well-being, I needed to delicately d dive into these areas. And I think, you know, the, the book reflects in some spots, this just this passion for life and this joyfulness and this passion for my life. And so I would say like the chapter, the, the letter to my daughter still gets me every time I read it. My yeah, it, it like honestly made me cry. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Because, you know, the, the thing that was just so our watchers uh, understand, the thing that was so important to me about that, and it became important about the whole book, actually, is that we are, history is going to teach us certain things about this time. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to give my kids our history during this time. Mm -hmm. I didn't want our history during this time to be forgotten about and overshadowed by the hardship that we faced, you know, as a country, um, socially, uh, politically, um, as a family. And so that letter to my daughter is really about like, you're going to hear a lot about all these hardships, but here are the good things about this yeah. that happened. And I don't want you to forget about the beauty you know, of, of having a, a rock concert over Zoom with our relatives in New York and, you know, your aunt, yeah. your aunt getting dressed up and using a broom as a air guitar and, you know, like just things that were so just big. And I'm just so afraid that those memories will get lost. Yeah, because there was there was a lot. I mean, there's just it's, the world feels like it's just chaos constantly. And I think it was beautiful, um, you know, to to keep like contain that too, right? Like there's all of these these issues, but there's also all this beauty, and there's there's these reasons to to remain hopeful, you know, which was what I think we need right now is is like that hope that. We're doing. Oh. We're, we're we're going through these challenges and struggles because there is light at the end of the tunnel, and I think that that was one of the things that um, I was left with. You know that I I really loved about the book is that there it, it wasn't just like here's all these like horrible things and why we need to be activists, but also because there's all this beauty in the world and this is why we also need to, you know, support each other. Like, you know, you talk about that in the book too, of coming together and why divisiveness is not going to serve anyone, you know? So I just, I really appreciate it. And you mentioned like having hope that there's light at the end of the tunnel. And I would even, I would even just push back with that and just say, there's light in everything. There's light that there might not be, the reality is there might not be an end to this tunnel. So yeah. where do you find the light? True, true. So, yeah. you know, I think, you know, as soon as I have life figured out, something happens right. <laughs> to, to mess with my head, you know, so it's really for me just finding, finding the light in moments. Yeah. Um, because I don't, I don't, I don't know if, I don't, we don't know.
we don't we yeah. don't know what what the next 50 years has for us yeah absolutely and i and i think that also starting the book with talking about anxiety because that's something that i grapple with and i think a lot of people who have it especially right now may feel kind of alone in that and it's to say you know even if you have this right and we're all th working through this together you're not alone in that experience and there's nothing to be ashamed of with that experience you know so i no, also i would even add it, it is if you could look at it as it is your body doing what it thinks it's supposed to be doing to save you yeah um you know and it took me a long time to figure that out but yeah anxiety is no fun no mental, it's mental not. health it's, issues mental health issues are really are really tough and, and we have not figured out a way in this country to uh to help people i think that the stigma is starting to get erased a little bit around it but not enough surely not enough no but i think i think um you know someone with your platform and your voice being able to share about that helps to to dismantle that stigma right and so that's why i really deeply appreciated that um because i didn't even realize i had it until many years later and i just was always like what is wrong with me that i i felt like i couldn't cope with some things you know and mm -hmm. especially as a survivor and trying to do work that can be very triggering it you know it's a challenge and so it's just uh it was like reassuring you know to like oh my god someone who i just go oh it's Alyssa Milano is, mm. is also struggling with that um and not even just struggling but like le has learned to manage it and power through it and be able to um you know talk about it I think was really like empowering in and of yeah. itself so again I mean some that. some days I can't deal I'll be honest some days I can't deal and that's you know I'm not ashamed to say that those are the days that I rely on anti-anxiety meds yeah, and I think it's it's real important to also destigmatize the thing that helps people, which is which is medication. Yeah, you know, I think there's such a. I mean, I think my parents' generation thinks that being on something for anxiety is means that you're less than. You know, whereas we need to start looking at it as if you had a problem with your heart, you would take heart medication. Exactly. You have, if you have something going on with your brain you take brain me medication, which is, you know, oftentimes an antidepressant, antidepressant or an anti-anxiety med. Right, right, exactly. I, and I 100% agree. And, and that's, again, what, um, what I'm just gonna put this back up here again, because I wanna make sure everybody gets a copy of mm. this. Um, and it's, it's just has so many great pieces to it. And I just, I also love how candid you are, um, you know, in the way that you, um, the way that you share like that was just fun like it's it's light in that way also it doesn't feel yeah. like a it is read, someone you know? did search on how many how many times i say the f word <laughs> in the book and there are 43 times okay. <laughs> it actually seems like more but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but i think that was one of the things that i i, I enjoyed you know because we just it's like it's real you know and this is this is what i really loved because it's unapologetic and and i just love that about it um but so that was one amazing project and then another reason why i wanted to bring you on was the the fact that you um you know are executive producing a film 
a documentary which is out in theaters right now um, being screened and I think it's coming out in um, in March I'm actually going to be doing a moderating um, the Vancouver screening which I'm very excited about um, and so I wanted to talk about that um, so you know your your role as executive producer the, the documentary film that we're talking about by the way is surviving traffic for those who are surviving trafficking for those who haven't um, listen to my podcast episode. This is a shout out to the podcast episode where I had um, Sadvi Anibuti and Sadvi Sidali uh, Shri, who are the directors um, of the first documentary, which was called Stopping Trafficking, um, which is, you know, is a film that highlights the issue, the global issue of sex trafficking, um, the struggles, you know, that that they're going through. And um this second film is now about surviving it. So this is about those who have survived trafficking, who ha you know have either gotten out or trying to get out, and are trying to stay out, right? And um, and I think that's really an important angle that not a lot of people have talked about, that have highlighted. Um, so I think it's a really important documentary. And, and I would love to know, first of all, how you found out about the film, like what got you interested in becoming an executive producer, um, and why this issue matters to you. You know, I think because so often when we think about sex trafficking, we think of it as um, an issue in developing nations and not here in the United States. And so I was struck by their first, their first move. First of all, they're great filmmakers. They're just really compelling. And for anyone who doesn't know, they are Jane Monk's and they uh, are really just incredibly special. And, and I think the way in which they tell these stories are, is very um, real and grounded and devastating, but also allows, they're not being manipulative at all. It allows right. the audience to want to do something about this. And so I think it's a really, you know, it's kind of like documentary filmmaking as it used to be, where you, you just give people the facts, all the facts, and you say, okay, I'm going to leave this, I'm going I'm to disturb you for a little bit. Yeah. What are you going to do about this? And so I think that, you know, it's just, it's an issue that is something that is happening right here. I mean, there, there are probably half a million people or more, if not more, because of course, we don't know exactly how many people who are being sex trafficked in this country, in the United States. It happens in every single city, town um, in the country. And I think for me, it's like, it's shocking, but also um, it's this, this realization that it's not over once they find their freedom. Right. That survivors of sex trafficking go through all of all of this this journey which is so difficult and then they're able to fight their way out of it and then what happens and this movie starts at the and then what happens so you know we follow women who are who are trying to get back into um you know just a a a life uh where they're not being held hostage basically yeah. Um, and so, you know, we forget that that survivors have not only uh, to heal their physical pain, but also 
their, their, their mental anguish and how does that prevent them from moving forward? Yeah. Uh, so the documentary is about that and um, I'm very proud of it. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful, as beautiful as a film on that topic can be. Um, and I'm grateful to be a part of it and I hope everyone checks it out. Yeah, yeah, it is. And and the, the directors themselves are just like beautiful human beings. Like they're just, uh, you know, when I found out about their work and I found out who they are themselves, um, they're also survivors themselves of child sexual abuse, which, which I also find really inspiring that they're open to sharing about because um, that also destigmatizes, you know, those who are survivors. Um, so just everything about, you know, who they are and the work that they're doing and how they, they truly care about this cause. They're, they have a charity that is, you know, being, you know, funded to help survivors. Like they are doing the work. It's not just them like going and, um, you know, exploiting these stories. It's like they're really caught, you know, conscious of how they're doing this work. So when I found out that you were also uh, part of this, you know, in, in producing it, I just like made me love you even more. So <laughs> I just think that I it's love you too. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I just love that, that you're doing all this work. I, I truly am grateful that, um, you know, someone like yourself who has such a huge platform uses your voice, you know, you have your podcast, Sorry Not Sorry, which I'm also a fan of and I listen to and I love that you're, you know, taking on these real issues, you know, you're not uh, like there's so many people and this isn't to like uh, shame anybody else, but there's so many people who have a platform that could be using it in so many ways that helps the world. Um, and they're not. And I just I really appreciate when you uh, are doing that in such a way that, you know, you're showing up at protests, you're, you know, putting out podcasts, you're taking time to do this work and to help others. Um, and so, you know, I just I, I think you're you're um, just an inspiration in so many ways. And so I just wanted Thank to make you. sure that everyone um, in my community knew about you and picked That's up so your nice. book. Um, thank so you yeah, so, so much. thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I want to let everyone know, um, you know, as we wrap up, you can pick up a copy of Sorry Not Sorry um, on all major uh, bookseller selling platforms. I always recommend to check out the local bookstores as well and support those. Um, check out Sorry Not Sorry, the podcast. Uh, the movie Brazen is on Netflix. You can check that out. And of course, if uh, you know there is a screening of uh, supporting of surviving uh, trafficking, please be sure to support that film in your local theaters. It will be out in um, March, I believe, or April at the latest. Um, but that's another amazing way that you can support survivors. Um, so, Alyssa, thank you so very much for being thank here you. today. I appreciate thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you. Take care. All right. Take care. Bye, Bye. everyone. Don't miss the next episode. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And I would be so grateful if you took one minute to post a five-star rating and reviews on iTunes so that others can also find this information. I will be shouting you out and thanking you on the next episode. If you found this useful, be sure to share it with others as well. Let's continue to create consent culture one conversation at a time. Stay empowered.